0: Hello and welcome to another SPAC Insider Podcast, where we bring an independent eye in interviewing the targets of SPAC transactions and their SPAC partners. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week my colleague Melina Haddad and I will be speaking with Len Liptak, CEO of Prosomnus Sleep Technologies. It announced a $168 million combination with Lakeshore Acquisition One Corp. in May. Prosomnus has developed a new device to treat obstructive sleep apnea that disrupts the need for millions of sufferers to be connected to ventilators at night. Len explains how the COVID-19 pandemic increased the need for sleep apnea treatments and how this deal will help power its continued commercialization. Lakeshore One CEO and Chairman Bill Chen joins to tell us why it was important that Prosomnus is already generating revenue and how SPACs can still compete for quality targets in the current market. Take a listen. So starting with you, Len, you know, you've been looking at dental solutions for many years, dating back to your time at 3M and microdental laboratories. So at what point in that journey did sleep apnea really stand out as a major underserved market and an opportunity for disruption? when I worked at
1: 3M, orthodontics was one of the areas I worked on. And one of the things orthodontics do uh, take into consideration when building a treatment plan is the airway. Um, so that was where I got kind of some of the initial seeds planted. Then while working at microdental laboratories, a growing number of, of dental providers would come up to us and say, you know, there's this thing called sleep apnea and a growing number of physicians are recruiting dentists to come in and try to help them, particularly for patients who were failing their CPAP solutions. And so, you know, we we, uh, we, we noted that as interesting, uh, but then also, uh, you know, did follow-up questions and surveys, interviews, and focus groups to find out what types of devices were they using? Were there any unmet needs? Then, of course, the obvious question of, do we have any unique know-how to bring to bear? To try to improve the situation. And and through a culmination of that process, we really got this idea of, yeah, there are some unmet needs. And through our shared experiences, myself, the other co-founders, we felt like we had some unique know-how that we could bring to bear that would result in better solutions for patients and dental providers and physicians. And so that's kind of the, those were the kind of the, the seeds that all came together to create for Somnus.
0: And for Bill, you know, we've seen a lot of changes in the market since you IPO'd Lakeshore 1 in June 2021. Mm-hmm. And so how wide of a net did you cast in your initials target search? And did you wind up changing your criteria at all as the market conditions developed?
2: It's true. The market has big change since the middle of last year and to this year. There's a big drop. Equity investment was very difficult in the market. However, in terms of the target selection, our criteria eventually has not changed. We are looking for subsector leader, a company with higher entry barrier, higher gross margin, higher grocery, good management team. Those principles have not changed.
3: And anyone who looks at ProSomnus's solution as compared to CPAP machines, which make up a lot of the market, can see the attraction from a patient's perspective. But even beyond comfort, what would you say are some of the other practical difficulties with CPAP that Prosomnus is able to avoid?
1: Yeah, great question, Marlena. The biggest issue is what, you know, is is lifestyle. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I have a bedtime routine, right? So I like to read a book. I like to check out some stuff on my phone. I like to watch a Seinfeld episode. It's difficult to do that with a CPAP mask on, difficult to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom with a CPAP mask on, or to get up in the middle of the night and get a glass of water. And so, what people really find inviting about our device and why there's a strong preference for our device is because people can have a normal bedtime routine, a normal lifestyle around sleep and sleep hygiene. It's easy to take with you on a trip, easy to keep clean. You can have a communication with your bed partner with it still in. People can still talk very clearly. So it has more of a conformance quality element to it that people find uh, is, is helpful because say, we, don't, we don't just fall asleep the moment our head hits the pillow, right? And uh, and that's where I think our device really fits into people's lifestyle and why they prefer it.
3: So on Prosomnus' side, it feels like precision is important to making sure your devices work and conform tightly to the patient's mouth. So what are some of the sizing and material challenges that you deal with in producing each set?
1: Yeah, well, I think at a higher level, precision medicine is this is a concept that is revolutionizing the standard of care across all fields of medicine and this is prevalent also in what we do with sleep medicine our devices are designed to perfectly match the the patient's teeth as well as perfectly match the jaw prescription uh, for the patient And we do that with less than 0.3 millimeters of precision, which allows us to put the jaw in the correct position to open the airway, but not over-advance the jaw so it's uncomfortable or not under-advance the jaw so that the treatment isn't as efficacious. And we've built an entire digital manufacturing process around around doing this. It allows us to take advantage of high-performance medical-grade materials and produce a product that matches the prescription and treatment plan and the anatomy for that patient with a high degree of precision. All of that has been associated in clinical studies with improved outcomes, fewer side effects, and greater patient preference.
0: Great. And unfortunately, over the past three years, I think a lot of us laymen for the first time heard the the term comorbidities. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a really <laughs> important thing in terms of what you're doing because sleep apnea, as a ailment that a lot of people don't even know that they have is contributing to a lot of other comorbidities, which can make your risks for all sorts of other diseases more severe, including COVID. And I'm just, I'm interested in, did you see an increase in demand during the pandemic and on that kind of education issue? What have you been seeing in terms of people becoming more and more aware of sleep apnea recently? Yeah, fabulous question. What people don't really
1: appreciate is that OSA is a highly prevalent disease. where a billion people worldwide have it. It was 70 million people in the United States alone have it. are undiagnosed. And as you say, if left untreated, it's associated with very severe comorbidities from cardiovascular disease to increased incidence of stroke. So yeah, not to mention the economic costs associated with not treating those comorbidities, not treating with the OSA. So yeah, during COVID, I think like everyone, the first two months of COVID, (laughs) Mm. the whole world stopped. Uh, but then our business bounced back really quickly and we actually demonstrated growth through covid for all the reasons you mentioned. There was an understanding that better sleep was a great way to boost your immune system and prevent getting covid in the first place. There are also concerns about ventilation and what ventilation might do in terms of distributing the you know the the, the covid bacteria. And then also there was a shortage of supply of cpap and chips and ventilation related technologies because rightfully they were being used for people who needed acute care. Uh, so we did see an increased demand uh, in, in devices during COVID for those reasons.
0: Yeah, totally. And I want to get into some of the specifics of the product as well. For anyone who hasn't, again, seen the difference, as we mentioned, you know, it's the difference between having you know a ventilator mask on your face all night connected to a, a machine to wearing something that I think people would recognize as being similar to the Invisalign orthodontic realignment um, kind of mouth guards that are clear, you put them in there. So your Evo, your main product is not your only one. And so can you talk a little bit about what the IACAPH versions um, are, who those are designed for? What do you expect the remote monitoring version? that you're working on to, to bring from both a care standpoint and in terms of revenue stream?
1: So yeah, Evo is our flagship product. That's the, the, ma- the main one that people prescribe. But there are people who have certain conditions or fall into certain categories where they may need some of these different line extensions that you mentioned. For example, our PH device is a Medicare approved device. Medicare has some specific rule sets around what the device needs to have in order for it to be reimbursed under Medicare. So the pH is our Medicare derivative. It meets Medicare coding. But the good news is it's available to Medicare beneficiaries around the country. Our CA device is for certain patients who might have TMJ jaw pain issues where they need what's considered asymmetrical advancement where they have to move one side of their, their jaw a little differently than the other. So the CA has these little adjustment mechanisms on the side that allow the provider to move the jaw asymmetrically so that it's, so that the patient can be in good, stable treatment for their sleep apnea while reducing the risk of triggering any jaw pain, right? So those are some of the, the main variants that we have and the differences and what they're for.
0: And so I, I just think it's interesting because, you know, we're going to get into some of the other solutions that are out there too. But for a problem that is this prevalent and that is dealt with with what is such a large machine for in terms of the legacy offering, that what your approach does seems very simple, you know, and in terms of it just is holding the jaw in a certain position so that people do not wake themselves up by with their mouth opening and breathing through their mouth in the middle of the night. It's, it's just surprising that that is actually effective enough.
1: Yeah. We've been thrilled with the results of some of our recent clinical studies. Uh, we just had uh, one which was published in March. March of 2022 and the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine, one of the frontline journals in our field, and it, and it showed that our devices demonstrated 94 percent efficacy for patients with mild and moderate OSA. So, you know, we've been very pleased with the efficacy results as well as the adherence results, because as we know, adherence is one of the things that really limits CPAP, right? CPAP is highly efficacious if somebody wears it. It blows air down your throat. It overcomes the blockage by brute force. The challenge is a lot of people have a hard time tolerating it all night and they take it off. So compliance isn't that great, Uh, but we've got multiple studies now demonstrating patients are wearing it um, you know, well over seven hours per night and was fully compliant with, with the therapy. So it's that combination of efficacy of opening up the airway, right? And compliance every night, which really leads to a, an effective therapy. And that's why we believe we're going to win long-term because we have really good efficacy data and also very encouraging compliance data, which leads to an effective therapy.
3: Got it. And then looking at the competition a bit, you're not the only ones trying to disrupt legacy CPAP machines. Yeah. So, Can you go through some of those other treatments and just how they compare to your own, such as Inspire's approach or OAT and upper airway simulation? What are the pros and cons of each of those?
1: Yeah. So the, the hypoglossal nerve stimulation technology is an interesting technology that whenever there's a blockage, it stimulates the tongue. And clears the blockage by stimulating the tongue and causing the tongue to protrude. But it is a surgical procedure. It's an implanted surgical device. It can be expensive. It can be invasive. And I think the FDA indication is you know currently limiting it for people who fail. people with severe OSA who fail CPAP, but you know it is a viable solution that that is considered by many physicians. And uh, that so that, that's you know kind of the main one that's competing with CPAP. Then there are these traditional oral devices that that are the the kind of traditional device that came before Prosomnus. They can go in the mouth and they can push the jaw forward, but they push the jaw forward in somewhat of an arbitrary way. And this is really where our precision advantage comes into play because it's important not just to push the jaw forward. It's important to push the jaw forward in precisely the correct spot, because if you push the jaw forward too far, it can trigger side effects or potentially even close the airway. Uh, So it's really important to advance the jaw and hold it in place uh, all night in the right position. And that's why we wanted to really get involved in more of a precision solution for sleep medicine.
3: Got it. And, and can you tell us a bit about your costs? What exactly? are your costs like for the patient and yourself and making the EVO and what are you working on improving in terms of margin moving forward?
1: Great question. We sell our devices to the healthcare provider and then the healthcare provider charges the patient for the full services rendered. And so those can range 3000 bucks plus or minus, but for the large part, it is covered by, if a patient has medical insurance, it's covered by their medical insurance. This is oral appliance therapy is a covered benefit for, by, by most major payers. So, you know, whatever the out of pocket happens to be or whatever the deductible happens to be at that time, that's what the patient would pay. You know, we we charge the healthcare provider a fee for our product and then we basically they pay us net 30, a pretty straightforward DSO on that. So it's you know, it's 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 very, it's um, you know, it's a fairly simple business model because we're not involved in the insurance reimbursement game at all. That's what the provider does. In terms of gross margin, there are a number of things that can uh, that, that we have planned that are gonna expand our gross margin automation. Is the main one. We continue to automate our processes, which will allow which allows us to do more, you know, a, a, at scale. The other thing that we have in place is our milling robots have an artificial intelligence component to them, where they learn how to mill the patterns out of the material, and then they take that data and they learn from it, so that the next time they have to mill a pattern. They're smarter about how to mill that pattern. You can imagine if if the drill bit is jumping around the the puck material, it's going to be less efficient with milling out that pattern. So as it learns, it gets better at shaping the pattern, and that gives us better yield rates. Right, ultimately shows up in gross margin. Um, same thing from a design perspective. We take custom digital information that's provided to us from the healthcare provider, and we feed it into a design software that is driven by algorithms so that that design software is basically auto designing the device. And then we have operators who are really doing quality assurance checks along the way. But again, that has a built-in learning component so that the software gets smarter over time. It does a better job of designing those those custom personalized devices faster, so we get better yield rates, and, and that gives us gross margin leverage. Um, so there are a lot of ways that you know we're very excited about how we can expand our gross margin here. But that's why we're excited to be doing this back with Bill because a lot of those things also do require investment in technology. We know how to do it; we just need the capital to go ahead and do it.
0: Well, and that segues beautifully into what I wanted to get into next, which is the SPAC side of things. And it's really kind of a question for both of you in that, you know, and Len, on your side, how did you come to the conclusion that now was the right time to go public? And, and why did you ultimately opt for a, a SPAC rather than an IPO? And, and for Bill, you know, what was the thing that sort of jumped out about Prosombus during your target search? Uh,
2: the process for our target selection,
0: as I said. We are focusing
2: on a sector with higher growth potential, no ceiling of the market, a bigger addressable market. And for this, is a perfect example. And we see this as uh, something like disruptive technology In North America, we see the market in multi-billion dollars. And on a global basis, over you know, 50 billion dollars. As I travel on global basis, I saw many clinics on this sleeping problems. And we have a request from... Uh, other countries. I, I was from China originally, and I had friends in Asia, in Japan, Singapore. So, those patients or people have interest in this product, have a request in future after merger or work, work with personas on a licensing, technology licensing basis. So, those we see the, the potential of the company to grow. And also, we like the management team. But since my first time met uh, Land and the team, in last year, August. Yeah, I had a very uh, good impression of the, the team, the whole team and the business model, product, potential. So the whole things make us make a decision to work with for summers.
1: From our perspective, we ran a process where you know we looked at about a dozen different SPAC sponsors. We were looking for a SPAC sponsor who both you know, shared in our vision and interest in growing the company, um, also was the right size so that it gave us you know the, the opportunity to raise the cash we needed to fund the growth of the company without creating too much dilution for existing shareholders. We met Bill and the Lakeshore team very early in our process, and by the time we got to the end of our process. You know, we, we felt that Lakeshore was a great fit for Personas, given, you know, the size of Lakeshore and the rapport that we developed with Bill.
0: Oh, great. Right. And for Bill, you know, we've seen it being uh, an incredibly difficult market to raise a pipe in these days, but you mm-hmm. did add a lot of committed capital to this deal. So could you walk through some of those mechanisms and, and why are, why is that important in this current climate?
2: Uh, I would say SPAC itself is very valuable vehicle for a middle-sized company pursuing public listening. Especially in the current market, the IPO, traditional IPO is very difficult because the initial flow and pure equity financing is very difficult to get. Uh, On the other side, SPAC has a flexibility to help a company to get listed. Also, we have a flexibility to reach the pipe or whatever finance feed for the company. In the case, we did a convertible of $30 million. And we also committed $10 million from equity. So this combined $40 million will help company to grow, focus on business growth, and do the marketing and product development. Assuming if, we, if the company choose the IPO, as a current market, we believe this is almost not possible to achieve. Then also on the, on the financing side, we do have a good connection to different appetite of the investors. And so we choose the investor was
1: best in suit for the business. For us, the reason why we chose to go to, to look at a SPAC or and/or an IPO at this stage was we had a very deliberate, you know multi-phase plan for how we wanted to commercialize the business. And we felt that we'd achieved our goals for phase one, which were to validate our value proposition, validate our manufacturing approach validate that our devices worked, clinically validate our business model and our commercial approach. And once we once we felt pretty confident that we had validated those let's say phase 1 milestones for our company, then we you know we knew that we wanted to scale up the business and invest in expanding our sales team expanding internationally, investing in the technology we spoke about earlier to help our man to help our expand our gross margin, but scale up our manufacturing. And then Nick, you also asked about our, our new sensor device, where we're embedding various sensors into our device, which we think is going to be a fabulous addition to, to, the, to the management of sleep apnea. Whereas right now our devices are, let's say a treatment for sleep apnea by embedding various sensors into our device. It's then going to label, enable the healthcare provider to not just treat the sleep apnea, but manage the disease on an ongoing basis, much like a Dexcom, right? Helps with ongoing management of diabetes, with continuous glucose monitoring, right? So that's where we're taking the businesses, continuing to optimize the therapy, the therapeutic device, but then embeds sensors that allow for continuous monitoring and management of the the disease. And so it was very clear to us that as we achieved those milestones, we looked at the opportunities in front of the company, that it was the right time to think about, you know, accessing public markets uh, for the purpose of financing our growth initiatives.
0: That's interesting. And that's something I would say that makes this deal different from a lot of the other deals that we kind of lumped together. At because you know a lot of the companies that get targeted by SPACs are still several phases away from commercialization. Whereas you are a revenue generating company and the remote monitoring version is interesting to me. It, just, it seems like there would be some potential for recurring revenue opportunities along with that. Can you get into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. There are generally what's considered remote physiologic
1: monitoring codes. As we all can appreciate, there is an economic benefit for a physician being able to monitor the progress of the patient without that patient having to come into the office. Once the patient comes into the office, it's expensive and inconvenient. And then also in the in the environment of COVID and, and, and in, the, in the situation that we're in, people want to do things remotely. So many insurance payers as well as CMS are willing to pay ongoing uh, fees for data and reports that allow the physician to monitor the performance and health of the patient remotely. And if the patient is not doing well, the the technology sends an alert to the healthcare provider saying, you know, maybe you should adjust the patient's therapy or call them in for a more thorough diagnostic test. Uh, So yeah, that disease management platform is an opportunity for recurring revenue streams, which we think will significantly enhance our business model, and then to loop back to what you just said as well. I mean, we are. That's. I think that's why we're excited to work with Bill on the SPAC, is we're a different flavor of SPAC than maybe what you, what has been seen previously. In that, you know, we we've treated now successfully treated over one hundred fifty thousand patients. We do have revenues. We have a couple thousand customers that are prescribing for healthcare providers that are prescribing from us. Uh, so you know, we're beyond the concept phase, and we actually are in commercial phase. We have multiple FDA clearances. Multiple patents granted, um, and so now we're building off that foundation. We think we still have incredible amount of upside and room to go. We're, we're we're building from a platform that's been validated.
0: and just real quickly, from your perspective, Bill, how important was that commercialization and that readiness on on Prosomnus part? You know, your process in terms of evaluating them, and and the fact that coming up with a value for Prosomnus, you, there are listed comparable companies already out there.
2: Uh, I think uh, we are very privileged to have a chance to work with professionals. Uh, as Len said, uh, the company has a solid foundation, the patient base, the, base are the patients and the health providers, and the, 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 reg- the regions they serve. Uh, all those foundations are very important. And compared to other respect targets, which most, some of them are free revenue, I would say from a financial investor perspective, they may have a good future, but however, quite risky because uh, the commercialization is very a very challenging task for the founder, especially the technology founder, uh tech or whatever, other, other high tech, uh, AI, all those other sectors. The commercialization, in my eye, that's very important. Um, so technology and the, uh, the current uh, operating platform, both are very important. For the
3: investors, and I would imagine that a public listing is going to be a boon for getting the word out about ProSomnus. But what are some of the other benefits of a public listing that you're looking forward to?
1: Well, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting, Marlena. You, almost every single time we speak with anyone about our business, we get a customer. You know, we you know, <laughs> loop back to us after the event and say, "Hey, I've got an uncle," or "Hey, I've got a bed partner," or "Hey, I've got a whoever." Can you introduce them to a provider? And we're always happy to do that. So, so we do uh, pick up quite a bit of uh, customer referrals, patient referrals from from these events. But uh, we're very excited to get access to to the capital we need to grow the business. Growth is is difficult, as as Bill mentioned, and growth is expensive. And so, you know, we really want to try to you know, I think we think that being a publicly traded company gives us a lot of credibility with also with partnerships with other publicly traded companies. It gives us legitimacy, so we can work with other publicly traded companies or largest established companies. Uh, So all of those things I think are are really important parts of going public, the access to the cash, but also the credibility to be able to engage and work with other uh, companies in the space. And it's, our ticker symbol is going to be OSA, which is Obstructive Sleep Apnea. So we're really excited to have the uh, the OSA ticker symbol. And That's our chief awesome. medical officer, who is credited with discovering sleep apnea as a disease, mm-hmm. is also credited with coining the term Obstructive Sleep Apnea and OSA. So for us, you know, we try to be a mission-driven organization. I think it's really important if you're an innovative startup, if you're going to run through a wall, you got to be a little crazy. It's not just about the money, right? It's got to be about something more than that if you're going to ask your employees to run through a wall. We try to be mission driven, but little things like that, where we can pick a ticker symbol that matches our chief medical officer's discovery, all that builds into our company culture and uh, helps inspire us to achieve our goals.
3: Definitely. And do you see M&A being a part of that picture moving forward? And what would be your strategy for that? Yeah.
1: Two things. We're going to focus on providing the best therapy possible for patients with OSA. We want to be the leading, we, we believe based on the science and based on the technology trajectories and the trends, that we have a viable chance to be the leading OSA therapy period. And if we can continue to make progress on that, we have no doubt that there are going to be companies that are interested in acquiring us along the way. And you know, we we would, if it were in the best interest of shareholders, we would take a look at that because some of these com- companies already do have good established international channels. They can commercialize and get things to market maybe faster than we can, or more broadly than we can. So if there are legitimate synergies, then of course we would take a look at that. But you know, but right now our team is singularly focused on being the leading OSA therapy period uh, and then we'll you know we'll address those strategic options when they arise.
3: And from a technology standpoint, we've already touched on what you have coming soon, but what are some of the innovations that you're most excited about in terms of the next generation of devices or other potential applications?
1: Yeah, I think the sensor stuff is really fascinating because there's a good amount of research showing that uh, certain physiologic metrics like hypoxic burden or delta heart rate are in fact predictive of all-cause mortality or cardiovascular events. So we're really excited to be able to, to capture some of that data and feed it to healthcare providers so they can do a better job of managing those comorbidities. And also, I think that the the big data implications of continuous nightly oxygen monitoring and how that plugs into a big data healthcare approach is going to be quite fascinating down the road. Uh, so we we think by putting an, a sensor inside the mouth, tracking physiologic metrics on a continuous basis, nightly continuous basis, is going to create tremendous benefits for the healthcare industry and healthcare environment in general.
0: Great. Well, before I let you guys go, could you give us a a quick update for our listeners in terms of what you're expecting in terms of the timeline of this transaction and when we get to that kind of exciting symbol switch and all that?
2: Yeah. I, th- I think uh, we are expecting to close the March, in the October or middle of November. That's the time, break.
0: Okay, great. Well, like you said, I- I'm hoping that, that you're, you're converting a few more people while you know, we're talking here, because I'm sure there are some people out there that have, have those machines in the corner. And as we know, with just how many people have issues with OSA. Um, and we look forward to seeing how this deal does and how you guys bring it all to close later this year. We're looking forward to it. It's, it's pretty exciting. So, but thanks so much for being on.